Sorry for the delay. Welcome back to the CNC Sports Replay. I said sports CNC again. Replay, bud. Did I just stop? Every Should time. We just yeah, re- yes. Restart. Just start over. Welcome to the CNC Replay. I'm Chris. I'm Noel. And I am Corey. And first and foremost, I would like to apologize to everybody for the delay for our current, I think we were up to like 55 streams. So for those 55 people listening last week or two weeks ago, you the real thank ones. you. Yeah, you're the best guys. Keep it coming this week. Big fans. We got some big plans for the week. It's going to be great. Shout out uh, Randy Bush. Yeah. <laughs> for, for completely roasting us, ob- obliterating our basketball knowledge. <laughs> We apologize. We, we recognize our Pistons knowledge is not good. He's he's and from Ohio. We're not Ohio, doing anything though. to change that. So he's from Ohio, yeah, well, though, so his opinion doesn't matter in general. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Well, to be fair, everybody, we did record, but we had some technical difficulties and pretty much lost the entire recording to the point where it was uneditable. So we're here now, and we have a lot to cover. So I think we should hop right into it with the lines. Lots. Lots, lots. Before we get into this past week's craziness, let's go to last week's craziness. Dan Campbell, historic speech. Take it off, Corey. Um, I mean, I don't think there's anything else we need to do first, but we just need to play a clip of of that speech before we can get into it. So, Chris, if you want to run that speech real quick. All right, and so this team's going to be built on – we're going to kick you in the teeth. All right. And when you punch us back, we're going to smile at you. And when you knock us down, we're going to get up. And on the way up, we're going to bite a kneecap off. All right. And we're going to stand up. And then it's going to take two more shots to knock us down. All right. And on the way up, we're going to take your other kneecap and we're going to get up. And then it's going to take three shots to get us down. And when we do, we're going to take another hunk out of you. Before before long, we're the, going to be the last one standing. So I don't, there's nothing I can say. If you want, if you're into, you know, getting knocked down and getting back up and taking some bites out of some kneecaps on the way up. Dan Campbell is Which the man just like a bunch of felonies, but, but you football is legal felonies. We should know this by now, but <laughs> I, I will say um, all jokes aside uh, for what Campbell lacks in experience. He definitely has in that football guy mantra, um, which was the exact opposite of what, the Patricia Quinn, uh, I guess you could call it the Patricia Quinn militia brought to Detroit. So it's definitely a change of pace, uh, you know, a breath of fresh air, if you want to call it. Um, so if there's anything to get excited about, it's that he's not your prototypical cookie cutter head coach. Is it concerning that he, (laughs) the lions were his only interview? Yes, that is a little concerning, but is it nice to see that he's just not a robot, you know, giving you answers or not giving you answers in the prototypical, you know, NFL head coaching carousel? I don't know. I kind of like that. And, you know, for Lions fans and for the Lions, you know, organization in general, like, I mean, you have to think outside the box. You've been doing the same thing over and over again for a hundred years, it seems. Or, I mean, every year seems like a hundred years because it's just the same thing. So, I'm excited. He's got some energy. Maybe that will, you know, equate to the players on the field. Um, but we don't know. What I'm really excited about is the people that he has surrounded himself with, including our good friend Brad Holmes. So anybody else want to take a crack at that? I'm not so concerned about 
him only having an interview with the Lions just because he has been interviewed for head coach positions prior to this year. This was his only interview for this year, but he's been interviewed before and he's surrounding himself with a bunch of veterans in the coaching sphere. So that's also encouraging. Um, Yeah. I just appreciate that. He's not uh, giving us coach speak that he, he talked to Detroit fans. Like we actually mattered in the equation. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and said hey yeah the past whatever 60 years have sucked and uh we're gonna try and do better and it's gonna take time and i need you to be patient with me but but i know that it sucked and we're trying this was and like, I think like the, go ahead no go ahead i apologize no go no, ahead i was gonna say no go ahead no go ahead <laughs> you know i what? think the restructuring of the coaches and just redoing the entire coaching structure is really gonna to, is really speaking to that and is really gonna help yeah it feels like the past t- millennia there has been nothing more than the lions being like thank you uh the lions doing nothing more than lions fans saying this is it this time i can feel it but what feels similar is us saying this is it this time but i feel like we actually kind of mean it this time it's actually feels like we have a, a completely different shift than what we had in the past they're confident enough in him to sign him for six years I don't think it'll last six years. I mean, if we're looking at the the past coaching of the Lions, but it does feel different. It feels like he has that football guy mentality. He's ready to go. And he has surrounded himself with some great people, like you mentioned with Brad Holmes. Coming from the Rams, which we can talk then now about Jared Goff and that trade because I'm sure Brad Holmes had a really big part to do with that with him coming from the Rams, but the Rams team itself has a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton of some star studded cast and lineup that they got, especially on the offensive front. They got a lot of good trades from the defensive front, but Aaron just Donald on the offense, on Aaron Donald, stolen from the Lions. The best, yeah. Arguably the best defensive player in the league currently. I don't know if you can make a case for somebody else. But they also got they got Jalen Ramsey defense, but on the offense they did just draft Cooper Cup, and then they have their for number one overall pick that we got with Jared Goff, and they were really high on him. And if Brad likes him enough to bring him over here, more power to him. We can we can hop more in the Stafford trade later. I think obviously we can keep now on the the Lions coaching staff, but a complete overall. I know, Cora, you like Mr. Anthony Lynn, the other guy that we just picked up. So if you're going to have an inexperienced head coach uh, in this league, you want to surround yourself with some of the, the best minds that you can find. Uh, I say best um, with a grain of salt, but I, I think the guys that have been hired, uh, you can argue for that are pretty successful head, or s- successful coaches in the NFL. Uh, the first being Anthony Lynn. Say what you want about his tenure in San Diego. Um, they had trouble closing out games, but um, the offense that he ran was really successful. Justin Herbert looked like, I mean, at times Peyton Manning this past year, and he had the stats to prove it. He had the best statistical rookie season for a quarterback, I think, ever, or at least in the past 10 years. Um, And I think that's something to be said for Anthony Lynn, especially um, since that was his first year in the system. And it was a COVID year where they couldn't practice and learn that system. Um, So I really, really really am excited to see what Anthony Lynn can do either with Jared Goff or if we 
decide to draft a quarterback later on in you know the first round uh different discussion for a different time um but also something that flew under the radar uh dom capers is uh an assistant head coach for this team now and he has former nfl head coaching experience so just another you know a big name to you know kind of guide and you know put put teams in the right direction this is how you win in the nfl and uh, I hate to say it, but you kind of, I mean, on paper, and it's not the same success by any means, but uh, look at what Michigan did with Jawan Howard, uh, or at least what Jawan Howard did with his coaching staff. Um, people were concerned that he didn't have had coaching experience. He was an NBA coach, an assistant, coach G League, um, but uh, he hired Phil Martelli as an assistant coach who is a uh, Atlantic 10 head coach um, in the past, a very successful one at that as well. And he kept a lot of guys from Beeline staff that, you know, helped with the offense and the defense. And Michigan's having a really, really good season this year. And I do not think it is, it is all, it's not all Juwan Howard. I understand that. But Juwan Howard is surrounding himself with some of the best minds that he can surround himself. And then he's also getting the most out of his players. So if as a lions fan, if we can get half of that production, let what Michigan is having success, like get us <laughs> like we will, we will flip cars, burn things down. If the lions get one playoff win, like you saw, you see all the crazy stuff that bills mafia does. Lord, we're going to burn down a Fago factory. If the lions get a playoff win good grief so that's that's what i think i'm pretty excited i'm not i'm not necessarily excited about campbell but i'm excited about the coaches that are around campbell right now and we'll see how it goes i fully agree i think that is a is a good way to lead right into the stafford trade uh two two number one overall picks the first time i believe in first round picks first over yeah first round first overall well jerk no, it's it's there. I mean, it's not the number. They could be the number one overall. If the it the is Rams. the number one overall. Jared Goff in twenty sixteen was the number one overall pick. Oh, okay. I thought I thought, no, you, so I, I thought you were talking about the first round picks from the Rams that we're getting. I'm like that. We don't know if they're going to be first overall. <laughs> no, 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 no. Jared Goff in twenty sixteen drafted number one overall, and Matthew Stafford drafted number one overall in two thousand nine. Mm. I'm not mistaken. First time it's ever happened in NFL history. I'm a dummy. How, no, you're okay, Corey. I think this is going to be the first time where I just updid you in the sport thing, so I'm going to hold on to this victory for the rest of my life. So, and and anyways, inside his heart. Just it's right going to be there. episode 109. I'm going to be like, hey, Corey, remember that one time? No, I'm just kidding. Anyways, <laughs> we're not those first round picks. I'm going to just come out right and say it. I love the trade. It's such a lot of people, especially Lions fans, they miss Stafford. Diehard Lions fans love Stafford. Love Stafford. Yeah. Love, yeah. And <laughs> yes, this is we love proof. Stafford. <laughs> This has proved Matthew Stafford's worth in this trade. Not only do you get a number one overall with Jared Goff, who has had multiple playoff wins in the past couple of years. Super Bowl appearance. Super Bowl appearance, Jared Goff. We now get two first-round picks from the Rams. Now, granted, Stafford on the Rams is going to make the Rams' offense way more dynamic. Maybe number way more dynamic. They... Mm, they're giving – I think they're going to give the Chiefs a run for their money. I really do. They still got Robert Woods. They still got Cooper Cup. Matthew Stafford is going into one of the best receiving cores in the league, one of the best offensive schemes in the league, and he's about to make it a whole heck of a lot better. Now, with that being said, Jared Goff is – everyone's like, oh, we got Jared. You still have Jared Goff. 
He is not a bad quarterback by any means. He is a very good quarterback, and not only did we get him one for one, they also gave us three extra picks, two future first-rounders, and a third-round pick for this past year. It is perfect for the rebuild for the Lions, especially what they just did with the coaching staff. It's going to be good for the rebuild, but let me extend a quick little olive branch to all the people who don't love it. We could not have Jared Goff this season. He is still a tradable option, and we now have two extra first-round picks. So if you don't like Jared Goff and the coaching staff doesn't like Jared Goff, we could send him for someone even better than Jared Goff, throw in a few extra first-round picks, and get something else. I love the trade. Stafford wanted to leave. Stafford has been beaten the heck up the past couple of years. I don't think he's going to be like a Tom Brady or an Aaron Rodgers just because of how many hits he's taken. God bless you, Matthew Stafford. But He deserves the world. He deserves the world. I hope he wins a Super Bowl with the Rams next year. Yes. I really, I really do. He deserves. Truly, I'm only rooting for the Rams next year. Like, yes, the Lions, but they're not going to do anything. So, like, the Rams. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame just on fourth quarter production. But (laughs) if he wins a Super Bowl, God bless him. I really do. I really think God bless him. But thoughts on the trade, guys. You know where I'm at, but what do you think? Who are you? I think somebody's going to have to get. (laughs) Somebody's going to have to get Jared Goff a coat uh, because he's never lived outside of California. So, no, no. Yeah, how's how's Goff feeling? He's he's living in Southern California now. He's got to go to Detroit. (laughs) Good grief! He's going to have to get a thick skin. I don't know what Rams fans are like, but. Yep. I don't know. Matthew Stafford got all the crap that he got in the last however long he's been around. Jared Goff's going to get a lot. Oh, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's just the name of the game. Um, speaking of the trade specifically, you you really couldn't have gotten anything better for this than than what you got from the Rams. Um, I I think anyone who, especially given the circumstance of this team, anyone who doesn't like this trade really isn't paying close enough attention um, because for the next, well, after this year, of course you have, you already have a top 10 pick this year. So you hope you can get some talent out of that. But then the next two years, you will have two first round picks and then probably a very high second round pick due to the, you know, the poorness of the, of the team performance, you are going to accumulate, so much talent and i get it not every not every player is going to pan out to be a successful uh nfl player i understand but just by you know the process of having more picks you're gonna you're gonna hit on somebody and if you hit on somebody well enough the rest of those mistakes don't matter you know what i mean who's to say they get a quarterback this year or next year and they hit on that or maybe i mean golf is fairly young still i mean i think we can all agree that stafford is the better quarterback currently as it stands i think we can agree with that but i mean golf could still improve i'm not saying he's gonna be you know a hall of famer by any means but Mm -hmm. changes of scenery help players a ton um so and if you have him in the right system and if he's doing you know i mean the lions probably aren't gonna be taking as many deep shots anymore but if he's just checking the ball down we could move the sticks and maybe control the game and keep our terrible defense off the field for you know so we're going to be bad i understand but for all intensive purposes you got your first round picks you got more draft capital with your third round pick and then you also have 
a stopgap or at least a NFL starting NFL caliber quarterback to play with, to keep him on the roster, to trade him, like Chris said, or I mean, even he's at after two years, if he sucks, uh, you can cut him and there's no cap penalty. So literally this is wins all around win. I don't, I don't see how you can see the people who wanted Stafford gone. Sure. He's gone now. You don't have to worry about him. And the people that wanted him to stay, look at what you got for him. So I think I'm it's, it's perfect. It's also really exciting because those two first round picks are going to be a really awesome opportunity for Brad Holmes to draft really well, especially with his background. He's going to know the, the college kids that deserve a look there. And I think that's exciting that maybe we can draft well yeah. in the, in the coming years. And because I mean, because we need that, you need to have prospects and you need to have young guys in order to rebuild correctly. So I think that's an exciting aspect of this as well. And that's right up his alley being the college, uh, the college scouting coordinator for, for the Rams. And, you know, it's perfect because what he's been drafting lower in the first round for the past, however, so many years. So now you're going to get, you know, your high picks from the lions, but then you're also your low first round picks from the Rams. And he's already been doing that. So he already knows, uh, like you said, Noel, that was a fantastic point where to look for at that point. And then also, if he's really good, which we hope he is, at scouting college talent, then he can get the best of the best at that point or say, hey, we need to trade up and get this guy. Or, hey, we need to trade down because we can get this guy here. So I think, excellent point. They can do a lot with this, and uh, they have the capital and the knowledge now to do so. Yep, absolutely. One of the things, though, the only – drawback that I've heard from people is well with Stafford on the Rams those first round picks are going to be very high and that is true but if we look in the past two years at high draft picks you mean in low. 2020 you mean low right oh sorry high as in first round I mean from going from one and going to 32 so yes low I'm sorry my apologies boo. Uh, I know I know he it got was, one thing wrong it was, boo, a small, Chris. Boo, Chris. It, was a, it was a small victory on my number one overall to now yeah sorry guys I'm sorry for everyone out there who was I don't know why you'd root for me but thank you for rooting for me Chris is now at 0.500 so yep. I'm still a major league hall of fame hitter but yeah. 32 overall draft which is the last pick in the first round of 2020 you got Clyde Edwards Hilaire who had an amazing season, even though he was snap sharing with Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, an absolute freak. Let's in the 2019 draft. If a pretty high or low pick, you get Josh Jacobs, you get Marquise Brown. You still got names who are just absolute talent, absolute talent. You can still have do so much with those hello first round picks. My apologies. So. I don't I don't see how this could have gotten any better. I don't and shout out to Brad Holmes because after all the trades that we've seen in the past couple of couple of uh, years with uh, with Patricia and Quinn, this is probably the best trade the Lions has made in my opinion in a very long time. Hallelujah is my closing statement. <laughs> and that is probably the happiest this podcast will be for the de- remaining time we record. <laughs> or, yeah. The, the Lions recap is yay. And then everything, everything uh, else is just, uh, uh, yeah. uh, before we hop in, before I hop into any other sport, unless you guys want to touch on anything, I would love to talk about the Super Bowl. Yes. Corey, oh, yeah. I'm sure you have some tough, 
tough, fun things to say. I, ha- I have an announcement for everybody who who, who still thinks that Tom Brady is a system quarterback. Um, you are wrong. <laughs> you have never been more wrong. You're dog water. <laughs> and you should really rethink on how you watch the game of football. This man is 43 years old. Okay. Everyone complained. Everyone was saying, oh, he's not that great. He doesn't have the stats. He did blah, 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 blah. He puts Bill Belichick. Okay. Last time I checked, the Patriots finished under 500 and missed the playoffs without Tom Brady. And Tom Brady goes to Tampa Bay. Yes. Talented roster. I understand. They, but they were able to sign the talented roster. After Brady got there, there was guys who were like, oh, I want to go play with Tom Brady. So, yes, I will give you that. There's your there's your foothold in this argument. However, you still need to go out and win football games. They didn't win the division, but who cares? They won three road playoff games against Taylor Heineke, who apparently is going to make some money this offseason, whatever role he is in. So, okay, you get another foothold. Fine. He didn't beat that good. He goes to New Orleans, in New Orleans, beats Drew Brees, and then they go to Lambeau Field in January and beat Aaron Rodgers. What 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 more what more do you want? So, so he's going to still be a system quarterback if he doesn't beat the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes in his prime as a 43-year-old man. No, this man said he picked a team and was like, hey, y'all want to go to the Super Bowl? And they're like, sure, let's do it. Tom, Tom Brady slander will not stand on this show. It will not. He's played in 10 Super Bowls. The, everybody on the show and everybody in the world hasn't done 10 of anything, let alone play in the Super Bowl 10 different times. So... You're wrong. Tom Brady is not a system quarterback. He goes to a new place, new system, and goes to the Super Bowl. So, shut up. <laughs> so, my prediction, Bucks 150, Chiefs, negative 30. Write it down. Done. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll, be really, it'll be really close. Gonna, you're going to bet that on, on your sports book? Oh, I'm betting you're gonna, Bucks. I'll do okay. it. I mean, sure. I'm already up a With little bit. With that exact score? No, no. I, no, I'm just going to do money line just for an outright one. It'll be close. The Chiefs are really good. The The Bucks played the, the Chiefs at home. They lost by three. Um, I think it's very hard to beat Tom Brady twice in one year. Yes, the Saints did it. Um, but uh, I look, they're, they're hot. They're, they're both the best teams in the NFL right now. That's how it should be. This is going to be a great Super Bowl. But Tom Brady wins another Super Bowl, his seventh ring. It just, then, then if you try to make this argument, you're delusional. Like you need to check into a mental hospital. Like nobody can touch that man. Yep, one thousand percent. So I, I, I was. That's something I was going to touch on is because I was always a Brady denier. I will admit, I was a complete Brady denier. How's it feel to be wrong, Chris? Yeah, and my name's Chris, and I was a Brady denier. I don't know how you don't consider him at this point the best. He's almost batting 500 a season, four Super Bowl appearances. Absolutely insane. Absolutely insane. You you said all the right things. I'm 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 a big believer in Tom Brady now. The man doesn't need a strawberry. You. Yep, one thousand percent. 
Yeah, I'm with you. I do think the Bucks are going to win at home. And uh, I wish we could touch on the Tigers because I'm very excited to talk about Patrick Mahomes. But um, I'm sad as a Tigers fan for Patrick Mahomes. But I really do. I do want to see Brady do it. I do. I really do. I, how could you? I'll not? be the contrarian and say I want Mahomes to win. Oh, I just, okay. Oh, I do. I why? want. Because he's going to win another. We all know this. Yeah. It's he's going to win another few. It's not. It's not going to be a matter of 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 if he's going to win. It's going to be a matter of how many is he going to win. And if this. Okay, so here's a question: If Brady loses, do you think he retires? Or do you think he goes one more season? Oh, uh, I think he, he finishes his contract. Yeah, I do too. If he loses, if he loses. But okay. if he wins, he might he might just go out. I think he's gonna keep playing, guys. I really do. I think he'll play again next year if he wins. I think he'll play the season after that, and then I think he's gonna retire. Oh my goodness! I, I really do. He's gonna be the Gordy Howe of of football. I, he's gonna be sitting there, old man, with his his uh, his copper knee brace, and uh, he's gonna go out there and he's gonna he's gonna perform. He's, he's he just has the know how. He just has the mentality, and people want to play with him. That's just at the end of the day, people will carry Tom Brady when Tom Brady can't carry people anymore. Jeez, <laughs> oh, that's my two cents. I, but then, if he if he goes out winning a Super Bowl, then because Peyton Manning did the same thing, he rode off into the sunset, albeit very not gracefully. That was probably the worst quarterback performance in a recent Super Bowl. Um, yeah. But if he wins and he has a huge game, well, why would you come back? You just beat you. You would have beaten some of the best quarterbacks on your way to the Super Bowl, and then at the time, you would have beaten the best quarterback in the NFL at age forty-three. I don't care if it's a home game for the Bucks. What? Just, just be done. No one, no one can, no one really can touch you ever. There's nothing. There's nothing else. There's not maybe records. That's why you would come back. But why? It truly is historic. It like it really is. If he if he does this, this will probably, in my opinion, be his best playoff Super Bowl performance that we've seen. I don't see how you can't. New team, road games all the way through, then a home game for the Super Bowl. That's amazing. That's super cool. That's just super cool. I'm all for it. And Noel's pooping on our parade because she I'm won. not. She won hey, Brady, if he wins. Truly, I just I don't actually care. Like that's the reality. That when you get down wow. to it, that's really what it is. She wants Patrick Mahomes to win. He won it <laughs> last too. year. Let him let somebody yeah, else. Yeah, two in a row. No, back well, back, be honest. Man. Be honest. You're telling me that Patrick Mahomes is better looking than Tom Brady. Mm, I don't know if I'd say that. I don't know. Mm. There you go. I don't know. There you go. That's the end of the day. Tom Brady, cutie patootie. All right, we also, need to move on. Gross. Yeah, we need to move on. Yep. Uh, we almost a half hour on this. Yeah, we'll do like a record. All right, what we got next? We, we're going to be sad now? Is that what we're going to do? We're going to be sad. Oh. We're going to talk about the, how the Wings were 1-5-2 and two in their last eight. Oh, I think I have, I have to have a formal apology. Because literally, oh. so, uh, literally everyone. So, <laughs> like, since our first show... And I made outrageous claims that the Red Wings are going to finish fourth and they're going to do all this outright wrong. I couldn't have been I would more like wrong to in say my that I had never held that opinion. I always knew we'd be at least well, at, at the very least 31st and at the most 30th. No one is as bad as the Senators this year. Go look. I don't even need to explain it. Go look at some of their scores. It's the Red Wings are not anywhere on that same planet of bad. Um, 
but I I apologize to our listeners. I I guess I have to retract my statement that the Red Wings are going to finish fourth because they're not. Um, I still do believe the Blackhawks stink. Um, that As do we all? That does not change. Um, they had some life, but they have three wins on the season. Two of them are from Detroit. Um, and one, they beat Columbus and the Red Wings beat Columbus. So really, are they that good? No, but I won't retract that. I will not apologize for that. However, um, Red Wings listeners, I am so sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry. We're in it for the long haul. The only saving grace of this season is that it's 50, what, six games? I don't even know. 50, it's, you know, 30 games shorter than it usually is. At least the last two games were fun to watch. And they, and those last two games were fun to watch because they they fit a little better their power play did not their special teams did not but otherwise our five on five i can't remember what the stat is and i should have plugged it in in the notes before starting this but um so the the capitals are in this in the first seed right near the first spot right now they're first in the league and wings are 30th in the league and the only difference between the two in terms of goal differential and whatnot is special teams 5v5 we're right on par with with uh with the capitals so i don't know how everybody's feeling about that uh but that broke my heart a little bit <laughs> well they they have ovechkin who can just just rip them clap, from the point clap bombs yeah. I, he hasn't he hasn't had that much you know success this year but still that threat of being there and in, in his little in his off the ov's oval office mm-hmm. i mean that's that's going to open up opportunities for other people um, we do not have that. No, no, we Nothing don't. Close. We don't even have proper zone entry at the moment. So it's 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 painful. If uh, yeah. how, I, I, go ahead, keep no, you go. I found myself go. like no, no. actively cheering when they when they didn't do the dump and chase, like yeah. like when Anthony Mantha brought it over the blue line in like in his on his own stick and like actually made it through the defenders. I was like. Oh, look, an active play that I can oh. cheer for. That's not yes. like us trying to, tr- trying to, to keep up with our, with our feet as we're going. Like, it's just, that's where we're at. We're cheering for zone entries guys. At least I am. It just doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. How can you be worse when you're up a man as opposed to when it's even like, is it pressure on your on your stars? Because, uh, I mean, we don't have very many of them, but still, it, it doesn't make any sense. Like, they just, like, literally, the de- the defensive strategy against the wings on the power play is all of the opposing players just line up at the blue line, and the Red Wings are just going to crash against face, them. Crash against them. It's uh, how? How? That's painful. Like, everybody sitting at home knows what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. It stinks. Mm-hmm. It does. It truly, truly does. I think probably the single, the single positive thing on our on our power play right now is Taro Hirose. He is, and like he's not even revolutionary. He's just competent, which is hysterical to be saying. Yeah, that was one of the best pickups the Wings made in the past couple of years. Yeah, from Michigan State. Good old Taco. Good old I really taco. am. Abdul K. Have- Shut your face. We do not mention that name looks. anymore. <laughs> Hallelujah. We do mention it on the cap, uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah. So, sorry to bring that up. However, I have a, I have something to say. Of course. And this is, goes out to Mr. Jeff Blashill. Oh, no. Um, Mr. Jeff, I saw you, to all my people who are from Michigan, 
uh, there is a certain ice cream place in downtown Plymouth that I saw Mr. Blashill at. And I wish I would have told him to please stop switching up the lines. Just stop. I saw him. I had the opportunity. I saw that beautiful bald head of his. And I could have went up to him and said, hey, Mantha shouldn't be playing on the same line as Giovanni Smith and Michael Rasmussen. He probably shouldn't. Mantha shouldn't be on a line with Glenn Denning and who was the other guy that he was on? Nemeskinov, was that it? Nemeskinov, no, it? it was somebody worse who I can't even remember. Uh, Anyways, Glenn Denning and Mantha were on the same line at, this, at the same point, and I was like, who well, Who decided Glenn this Denning, is okay? Glenn Denning wins face-offs, so hopefully he can... So does Larkin. Yeah, yes, yes. Yeah, that, Larkin that is, is like who is a historic line mate? That is true. I don't see how we're going to, like, I understand we have Fabry, we got Sedina, and they are on COVID and John Merrill, but we're talking offense. Uh, Fabry should be back on Wednesday. Merrill possibly uh, back on Wednesday and Fabry back on Friday, per what I've heard. Cool. Yeah. That, that makes me happy. Well, I've heard sooner that they could be there for the two Well, things. I'm sorry. You win. I, I can't Ooh. wait. I really can't wait, but I... I hate it. even when they're here. We're still gonna get the whole Blashill blender, as we call it, on the show. Mm-hmm. I cannot stand it. I don't like that the roster release or the starting lineups is an exciting thing to look at. It shouldn't. We should have this. I, I, I'm a big believer that we're not gonna get any of this chemistry that Blashill wants unless they're gonna be playing together line after line after line after line after line until it works and then if it doesn't work then you switch line after line after line i don't know another team that does this i really don't i could be wrong maybe i just don't know as much hockey as i think i do but i hate it i can't stand it that's 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 it that's my two cents i i I will say this uh it, it they do in some cases they will have to switch up the lines given the covid situation so bottom lines don't really matter that much there. You're not going to get much scoring. I mean, Glenn Denning is going to be a bottom six, same with Nielsen, same with Phil Bulet. So who cares about the bottom six, but the thing that's just kind of doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me is, I mean, we saw the top line of Mantha Larkin Bertuzzi for like what, two, three games. Mm-hmm. And that maybe. was it. Like maybe, maybe. And well, I Mantha was also you- very slow in the, in the start. So he was benched for a game after like, three shifts i think sure that's that's fair but still um he's he's the closest thing you have to a pure goal scorer on the team when he wants to be or whatever you want to talk about his work ethic i don't i don't necessarily think that's the issue it's just he's a little clunky sometimes because he's so big um (laughs) but we saw we saw that line for three games tops and then because we weren't getting a whole lot of production we just switched it around and I get you want to distribute the talent so you could have some other like scoring opportunities on other lines. Um, but Mantha is the most successful when he is surrounded by Larkin and Bertuzzi. Yep. I mean, you put, I mean, he scored what two goals this weekend, I think had to do with that. Larkin was opening things up for him. So if, if you're going to, not blend a line don't touch the top line (laughs) you're already behind the eight ball as far as talent with all these other teams give yourself the best opportunity to score and yes they could shut down the first line but still you're gonna have zadina back you're gonna have fabry back pretty soon maybe you can get some other scoring opportunities but this is the this past stretch of games other than 
the last two against Florida at home have been abysmal. Mm-hmm. Like, like they can't keep pace with anybody. If they get a two, if they're down two goals, the game is over. Yeah. We saw we saw three three four goal spins or uh, swings in the NHL this weekend. I think the Islanders uh, on Sunday night they were down. I think they were down three to one, and they ended up like tying the game in the third. Just two quick goals. They eventually lost, but still, like we don't see that with mm-hmm. these Red Wings. And I get talent fine whatever but still give yourself the best opportunity and mantha larkin bertuzzi when they're healthy is going to give you those goals and best opportunities yeah it's just low event hockey like it's not exciting it's it hasn't been exciting for a while and mm-hmm. it's so we're not going to get those those three point come or those three goal comebacks because they're not the most exciting thing that I think I've seen happen is Brome trying that wraparound goal and, or the oh, one handed, the, the Forsberg. That was sweet. That, that was or so when, he, when he had that one handed almost breakaway thing that almost went in, it just tipped. What's his face is skate. Like Bobrovsky. Bobrovsky. I know. A, I know a thing about hockey. Yeah. But like, those are the two most exciting things. And he's been playing in the SHL for the last five months, six months, whatever. Yeah. So like, yeah. it's, it's because he's used to a system that's a little bit more fun. fun. Dump and chase. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I, I, I will say this. Sorry, Chris, I cut you off one time. No, um, you're okay. It's definitely, I want to preface this. It's not the same caliber. However, um, when the avalanche were really bad, their top line was Landeskog, McKinnon and Rantanen. Um, terrible team. But when those guys were out there together, it was an electric factory and mm-hmm. that was the offensive production. They were still terrible. However, that was the best opportunity to get goals scored. And I don't think, I think most hockey writers, most hockey people would say that uh, McKinnon is one of the best players in the league. Probably maybe yeah. even top three. Um, I'd give him top three. That's, I mean, that is a little bit of a stretch, but still um, they were on a bad team for a couple of years and they stuck together and they were the offense. So give yourself that opportunity. You cannot afford to split up your offense simply because your talent is not there. So if we could get a third of that production from that top three with our top three, we'll at least be in more games than we're not in games. So Chris, I don't know what you yep. were talking about. I just wanted to get that out. And because I'm a big jerk and want to interrupt you. So <laughs> no, you're totally fine. I, I'm, I'm excited for Steve because we're going to get another high, low draft pick, right? Did I say that right this time? No, no hot. You were, you were right. High. Yeah. We're losing. So we're going to have a high draft pick mm-hmm. because I always think of it the other way. I'm sorry, but he's going to get another, he's going to get another draft pick and it's going to be awesome. It's going to be good. He's probably really happy. It fits the whole scheme. We have, a lot of youngins that are coming up who we haven't seen. We've seen Zadina and Rasmussen and Giovanni, but there are tons still to come. There's a ton on the taxi squad. There's a ton on the Griffins right now. In the next couple of years, we're going to see more of it. We also have enough cap space to get another big couple big names, honestly. I'm excited. I wish it was this year. I thought we would have a slow build, but I don't think it's going to start this year. I think it's going to start next year or the year after. 
Yeah, but we looked at cap friendly and dissected that. I think it was yeah. not like not next year, but the year after is when the Wings are going to have a ton of cap space to you know go out and make those big splashes in free agency. So um, can't wait. I agree with you, Chris. Um, yeah. I will say, and I think we touched on that too. Uh, Hirose, uh Rasmussen, and Smith have been playing pretty well. It's not on the on the score sheet, although Smith had a pretty nice assist and feed to Larkin, which is what you want to see. Um, I, I, I give those guys some playing time. I know Ernie's coming back, but I would much rather have Giovanni Smith than Adam Ernie. Um, yep, uh, playing, uh, and I think most people would as well. Uh, maybe even Hiroshi over Helm. I mean, Helm's been there for a long time. I don't think he's a bad player, but still, Hiroshi. He's not a bad player, but the thing that he had was speed, and we watched him get out, outrun or outskated by a defender the other night. And like, I understand that he's you know been sick and not healthy, but still, yeah. Let the guys with the young legs do the work. Yeah. Yep. And if you have to play Nielsen because of the contract, then at least play somebody that doesn't have a big or sit somebody that doesn't have as big of a contract, like a Helm, like an Ernie, like, you know, other uh, like a Gagne when he comes back. Although I do like Gagne. I think he's pretty I think he's pretty solid for what he does, what he brings. But yeah. um, Yes, Chris. Yes. You in the back. That's me. That's you. What can I what can I help you with? I thought I thought you wanted to say something. I just really like cutting you off again. No, I, I, I'm just, I'm in shock. I was so hopeful. What did I, why did I do that? I've done this for the past four it, years now. It was my fault. I, I it, was, it was, it was definitely fault. Corey's fault. Totally no, my fault. I don't, I like to not, I usually like to keep blame only to myself. However, no, yeah. you can dump this one on Corey. <laughs> no, Absolutely. That's a strike two for me on today's, today's show. No, I hate losing twice to the Panthers. And the reason why, and I know that was a big discussion in our group chat, was the Panthers is a good team. I didn't even realize they were in the playoffs last year. I just remember two years ago when they were only like a couple places up from us, and now they're in the playoffs last year. And now they're a halfway decent, competent team. I think they're like 20 out of 31, but I hate losing twice to the Hawks. I hate losing twice to the Panthers. I hate being on a five-game lose streak and then going to have to go against the Lightning. I'm not excited. I am not okay. I, I am the my chemical romance. I'm not okay, not even close. I am. I'm just not. I'm sorry. I'll say it five more times. I'm not okay, and I'm ready for a change. I know there's change to come. Trust the Iser plan. I want a new coach. I want better players someday, somewhere over the rainbow. You could watch the Pistons if you if you're sick oh. of watching the. Uh, <laughs> I had to talk about Babcock. I know that I ranted for a long time when we recorded <laughs> um, last week, and I've had a week to sit on it, and I'm still angry. She's she's ready to explode. Everybody, I'm she's, ready she's to fuming. explain. Um, I think it's the it had to do with Mr. Babcock. Yeah, I need to talk about. <laughs> I need to talk about him. Not that like I actually actively want to. I just I just it needs to come out. Um, well, let's hear it. So for those of you who are unaware, Babcock was the Red Wings coach for a number of years. Um, he inherited the team that was pretty stacked. Um, and then it just kind of pittered and fell away from there because of a myriad of different things. Anyways, um, after he left the Red Wings, he went to the Toronto Maple Leafs and then was fired um, he was in a in a series of firings from last season. 
Um, and after he was fired, um, a couple stories came out, um, a bunch of articles, whoa, excuse me, a bunch of articles came out about, um, who he was as a coach. Um, it started off with a story about, uh, Mitch Marner coming into his office, um, for a player to coach talk. And, um, the story that came out at the time was that Babcock told Mitch Marner where he ranked in a list of players um, and said, you're this good and everybody else is above you here. And everybody, these three or however many players are below you, this is where you rank. And I just need you to know this. Um, that was one story that came out. The next story that came out was um, both Chris Chelios and Johan Franzen confirmed stories of each other that Johan Franzen um, who was a player that was beaten up a lot um, just because he was a grinder. He was a very skilled player, but he was also a grinder. He got dirty and along the boards and um, was willing to stick up for himself and for his teammates, um, which resulted in a lot of concussions and a lot of um, head trauma. Um, and back in 2009, he ha was on the bench. I think it was a, a Predators game. Uh, nope, it was a Flyers game. My bad. He's on the bench, Flyers game. I don't know if he had a bad shift or what happened, but Babcock tore into the guy, like just absolutely shredded him uh, verbally. And Franzen had a psychotic break on the bench, went back into the locker room, uh, had another one. And um, he, in the article that he released after Babcock's firing last year, said that he actively had PTSD every time he had to go back to the, back to Joe Lewis to practice. And, um, in 2016, 2015, he was forced to retire because of some, because of his head injuries and all that kind of stuff. Um, and he's called, um, Babcock, the worst person he's ever met. He's got so much fear and, and pain wrapped up in what Babcock did to him as, as his coach, when he was playing, um, that he's been in like psychiatric wards and like really struggling to just function as a human being because of, because of his trauma and because of his head injuries. Fast forward to this year, uh, Mike Babcock gets a job as a, as an NBC analyst, um, because old boy hockey doesn't quit. And if you're in the system once you're going to stay in the system, no matter what happens. Um, and be, when, after this happened, Pierre Lebrun got a one-on-one -on -one with Babcock. Babcock had not responded to any of these allegations since those articles came out last year. Pierre Lebrun got to do a one-on-one -on -one exclusive with him and basically just softball him questions about, about these two situations. Um, he addressed the Mitch Marner thing, and it does turn out that it was, it was a big misunderstanding. How the story came out was in, incorrect and all that stuff. Um, once he found out that that was how it was circulated, he went to Mitch and apologized and, and tried to make that right. And um, that's great. I'm all for second chances. You guys know that. Um, but then we get to the Franzen part of the article, and this is where I have some issues. Um he basically just gaslighted the whole time that the entire time in this, in this part of the article, he was like, I can't believe that this hurt. Like, I can't believe that what I said hurt him like that. It hurts me that he's saying those things. 
I don't know what to like, I don't know how to respond to this. Like blah, 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 blah. Like he just wouldn't say he was wrong for causing a person actual PTSD. Um, and that's where I'm like, okay, so you're, you're truly not even, not even trying to be a better person here. You're not actively showing us that you've done things to make yourself better and to improve yourself. And then he went on to something as like, I've worked doing so much for the mental health, like blah, blah, blah. Like I've done so many things for, for the mental health. Like I'm very involved in, in all these organizations and like, okay, show it in, in your personal life, not in your money. I don't care where your money goes in how you were conducting yourself as a human being. Um, and he didn't do that. And I'm pissed off. And I don't think Mike Babcock should be working the NHL if he's not remorseful for the things that he's done. Yeah. So I really do. I think Franzen grinder, tough guy, tough, 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 tough. tough. This isn't like, yeah, this, this isn't, this isn't like some low caliber of toughness of player. We're talking about Mr. Franzen who had to leave the league for head injuries what was said? Like, I would have loved, to, like, I would have loved to hear Mike Babcock in that interview just be like, "Hey, you know, maybe I was a bit tough on him." He didn't not, even come close to that. Right. Nothing. He did not even come close to it. I'm one. I back you one thousand percent, Noel. I, I cannot stand him at this point. I, I can't believe that happened. I can't believe that you can be okay with Mitch Marner and be like, "Oh man, you know." I, and even then, it's not even like he admitted fault like okay maybe it wasn't the best strategy or hey maybe i did like just be a little remorseful even if he would have said hey maybe i was a little too hard on him there okay great it's show some good, but it's it's, it's not good day. but hey i could watch you on tv yeah that's fine yeah but now it's just like i can't believe you did that yeah. well this man this poor this poor our beloved mr franzen god and bless the you buddy. On top was that the first game babcock ever analyzed was an nbc sports broadcast of a detroit red wings, red wings game that we oh. could not stream anywhere else and so in the beginning they asked him so what about all the things that like what about your article blah 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 they didn't even mention franzen by name they're like some players have had some things to say about you yeah we're just we're, i'm not here for the babcock re- redemption tour it's not happening it's not allowed he can stop the whole story is 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 pretty strange um just with the two main points um, and reading that article, uh, the Toronto thing is weird. Uh, I, I don't know why you would just rank players, bring somebody in and, and, you know, just do like that. That just doesn't make any sense. That's a, that's a way to pick apart a locker room. Um, yep. So to, I, we're not giving Babcock much credit here, but to the credit of that part of the story, um, he was like, yep, I was wrong. It came out wrong. Uh, the media ran with it. Uh, that's not its intention. I pulled Marner aside and I apologized. I threw you under the bus. I screwed up. I, I take blame for that. So if you're going to give anything towards the guy, give him that. Um, but for the Franzen part, um, and this is a little bit personal for me, Franzen was my favorite player growing up. I mean, I'm, I'm a youngish guy and he just something about a, a dude that could punch you in the face and also score six goals at any minute uh was really exciting for a young a young fan um but you had you had formidable players from that locker room kind of go out and say babcock was crossing the line multiple times i I mean chelios is 
a well-respected NHL legend. Um, and he was putting, I mean, I guess putting his image, but maybe that's just a lack for a better term. Um, but he was using his word and saying, Hey, what he was saying in the locker rooms was not, was not healthy. Um, Henrik Zetterberg, who's the captain at the time of, or we don't have much from Lidstrom. I don't think anyone's asking those questions, but Zetterberg was a couple things in his memoir, but I couldn't give you direct quotes. So I'm not even going to try. Sure. I will have to look that up again. And yeah. if you have the book, read it because he's the perfect human. Kind I do of. have the book. I got it for Christmas. I know. Well, to our, to our, oh, 50 sorry, to the audience. Yes. Please read yes. the book. <laughs> Soon to be 55. Yeah. Um, but, um, Zetterberg was even saying stuff like, yeah, we didn't really get along, but it's business is business. And when Zetterberg says we didn't get along, Zetterberg's the kind of player that's going to not tell you when things are going to be really bad. And the fact that he told you that things weren't great, it must have been really, really bad in the locker room. Um, and with Franzen, uh, these struggles are not just like, oh, you can blow this off. He's being a big baby. No, Franzen currently, and if you follow his story, is heartbreaking. Um, he's going through rehab in his native Sweden uh, for PTSD. And this is what military grade PTSD is for. Like, this is the best PTSD facility in the entire country of Sweden. And Franzen is a hockey player. He has not seen the, the horrors of war. And yet he is mentally it's just this is just partial uh, partially it's the concussions but this does not help and the fact that babcock who couldn't even say this is on me i crossed the line when he said it for when he crossed the line for something as trivial as like a locker room list and there's evidence stacked against him that's that's pretty low um and i would like to say that since that he has not had any sniff of a head coaching hire and that's why he's on NBC's team. So I think the people who are inside of hockey, as far as like the coaches, the GMs, not the reporters, they don't want anything to do with Babcock. And the NBC people don't have that in. So that's like, hey, let's bring him on. So they're going to take his word for it because they don't have the word on the outside or in the inside of the coaching or the of the of the executive board. So. Um, they also had Mike I, Milbury for as long as they did. So, and Mike Milbury is is a, a poopy pants for keeping it PG. He, that guy sucks. I hate him. He was all he's always negative. Like he would just always he like ah Mike, what did you think of this? Oh, this guy sucks. He's so bad. Blech. And I'm like, you know what, Mike, you suck. You beat somebody. You crawled into the stadium of the of the boston forum and you beat some man with his own shoe like you are a small human being i do not like you so you don't like mike babcock i hate mike Mul mike mulberry so <laughs> good riddance to the two of them so uh i don't think we're fans of nbc no no that's the moral of the story correct <laughs> Boo nbc Fox oh, sports yeah. detroit broadcast team for all of all of the streams. god bless mickey for god president bless. absolutely Mickey, do we want Mickey for president? Do we want Ken for president and Mickey for VP? Ooh, yes, <laughs> that'd be awesome. Dream oh, team, man. always thinking. Love I love that. it. All right, so uh, we got to continue on here to our few fans um, out there who requested that we watch a Pistons game. I can say that I have watched two. I You're welcome. Three. Did I retain there any information go. from them? No. No. 
Oh, I've I've watched, and it's been ugly and beautiful all at the same time. Um, so we're going to talk about the good things. Um, the Pistons beat the Lakers somehow. Woo-hoo. Here we go. Well, they they made LeBron their son. Yep. Yep. The Another PG way of putting it. The Pistons are LeBron's dad. It's it's true. Um, no, that that was that game. I got to watch the tail end of that game in in the fourth quarter as well. Uh, I don't think when I tuned in, the Pistons missed a shot in the fourth quarter. Jeremy Grant was spectacular once again. A stud. Blake Griffin. He's a stud. If he's not an all star, then I don't know what you call an all star in the end. You can currently vote for him to get make the all star team right now. So go Please do, that do. On, go do that. I think it's uh, yeah. NBA.com. That's up there somewhere. You'll find it. I believe in you. Please, please do it. Please. He deserves it. Yeah. Um, Blake Griffin had a really good game, and that's nice to see because he's been struggling with his his knee issues. Um, and it was just an all-around great performance for the Pistons. And it, it it's really shocking because the NBA probably has the worst parity of the four professional sports leagues. But still, I mean, these guys are freaks, all of them. Uh, um, we would like to think, oh, I could beat these. No, you can't. These guys are are studs on the basketball court. And maybe it was something from the Lakers that, you know, they overlooked them. They didn't have Anthony Davis when they played, I understand. Um, but uh, to beat LeBron in any capacity, whether it's a regular season game or, or the playoffs, which is even more impressive, um, is no small feat. So it's really cool to see that, you know, the Pistons aren't just a walking corpse of a franchise and that, you know, they can surprise you uh, from time to time. And uh, it was exciting to watch. It felt like that the Pistons were being really cohesive and playing well as a team. And the Lakers just didn't have an answer for that, that night. And then of course they turn around and go play golden state and, you know, lose by like 15 or whatever, but that's, that's a different day, different day, but still you have to respect the players in the NBA, you can't overlook them because they could surprise you. And Jeremy Grant, if you're listening, I hope you are. Uh, you're a rock star. You're an MVP. You're an all-star. Um, if you're here longer in Detroit, I know you signed a four-year deal. Um, I'll buy your jersey. I have many. Um, I would like to have yours because um, you're a freak. You're just like really skinny and long, and and I don't know how you just just – just some of these like Kevin Durant he's skinny long and he like gets buckets like who how how? and LeBron is like just like built like a middle linebacker but yeah these guys get buckets in different ways it's really impressive watching you know a really tall skinny guy take over a basketball game and that's what Jeremy Grant's been doing love it absolutely you know who else is entertaining to watch Isaiah Stewart yeah just fun like I don't, I I don't know what his stats are because I haven't taken the time to look, but like I, I watched him rip shorts and not get called for it three games ago. Like that's he's just so like he makes the game fun, um, yeah. Which for me is important because basketball is taxing for me to watch. Uh, yeah. So I just like him annoying people at, at any chance that he can get while he's on the court. <laughs> Like the biggest names in the NBA, he's out there just being annoying as all get out. And I'm so for it. I'm so just thank you. Thank you for making yeah. it entertaining. He is he I, is 19 years old. 
even better. He's oh, only he's a, this is a teenager. Yes. Holy a child. I I hope that some of the COVID restrictions get lifted and we can start going to games because the Pistons are going to be a lot of fun to watch. They are a lot of fun to watch. I same. I mean, I wish I could say more for the Wings. I think we'll have a, maybe have a little bit more entertainment once we get Fabry back. But for the Pistons, I have to admit, as Detroit sports is not good, it it is entertaining, and that is something that we can at least say from last year. That is a that is a big increase. Is we are at least very entertained this season, and God bless it. Well, God bless it. I love it. People are just tuning in to see what Jeremy Grant's going to do. I mean, yeah, this is this is a guy that you know flew under the radar as a signing uh, for the Pistons, and now he's like taking over uh, for the team, becoming like literally our best player. Um, so I mean, we we have Dylan Larkin on the Red Wings, um, and he's exciting to watch if you're really paying close attention. But uh, because the game of basketball is structured in the way and there's so f- there's so few players on the field of play um when a when a player is going off it's it's highlighted it's uh what's the word I'm amplified um and that makes things more exciting i will give you that seriously so I hope you found that we know more about the pistons tune in yeah. let us know we still don't know Please. a lot so like don't come at us too hard but no, we know it all. Okay. <laughs> Corey knows it all. I don't know we much. We know it all. <laughs> Willing and, uh, and able last to but not. <laughs> last but not least, the Detroit Tigers. That actually have some we news. Have, Crazy. We yeah. have news. We're we excited. News. We love the Take, Tigers. We do. Take it away, Penny. Anybody? <laughs> yes, from SpongeBob. <laughs> no. Yep. That's Penny, the chip, and used napkin. I didn't watch There we go. SpongeBob's. Well, then your childhood didn't exist. Um, so yeah, uh, things are heating up with our with our boys in the old English D. Um, we signed uh, Wilson Ramos mm-hmm. uh, for this season. Um, former two time All Star catcher. He's about thirty two years old. He'll be thirty three this year. He had a down year, but has been a pretty productive offensive bat, and that's honestly what the Tigers are looking for. He had a down year. Uh, he batted like. 238 uh which for all intensive purposes isn't great but when you look at the when you look at the batting averages for our catchers uh in the past five years um you will say that that is uh light years ahead of of where they're at so i think again it's a low risk uh signing if he has a good season halfway through you can trade him at the deadline um signed for two million dollars um so cheap that's exactly what the Tigers are looking for. I am a little disappointed. I thought uh, Austin Romine had a, a really good year, uh, and he had a better year than w- Wilson Ramos last year, and he signed with the Cubs for a one-year deal for a million dollars. Why not just bring him back, You know, keep everything you know, pretty much the same gravy um, with the pitching staff? Because, I mean, on – you know, for more, more in more ways than one for signing a catcher, you have to see how cohesive they are with calling games and how they mesh with their pitchers. And we have a young impressionable staff on our hands with the Detroit Tigers. So um, if you had a guy that was already there last year and he's going to be a cheap sign, why not bring him back? But I'm don't work for the Tigers anymore. And when I did work for the Tigers, I was trying to sell tickets, not analyze players. Um, So what do I know? But um, 
I don't think you can be really upset with the signing. I think he's got some offensive upside, which is what they need. And they also signed uh, Derek Holland. He's a left-handed pitcher, pitched for the Pirates, um, who, frankly, there's no way – he was terrible. <laughs> Six – he was bad. He, he was just he was just terrible. Uh, he had like a 668 ERA. He tried – they tried to put him as a starter in Pittsburgh, but Pittsburgh was also really bad. The so. Pirates, so. Yeah, arg. We're bad. Matey. Terrible pirate impression. Um, but – if they can convert him to a left-handed specialist out of the bullpen, why not? He did that in San Francisco, um, was pretty effective there, and I believe was flipped at the deadline for that exact reason. Um, I, th- If I'm thinking of the same guy, I think he was flipped to the Cubs as a left-handed specialist um, uh, in that same year when he was in San Francisco, um, and he helped down the stretch. So if that's what the signing's for, sure, why not? Um and see where it goes. It's only a minor league deal. So if he sucks in spring training, then you can cut him and get rid of him. Um, so low risk. You're going to see a lot of that because the Tigers are still a couple couple years away from competing. And this year is all going to be about the development of Casey Mize, Tarek Skubal. And you can see maybe if Matt Boyd bounces back, even though he was pretty terrible as well last year. So Unfortunately, we are at four of four of our rebuilding teams here in the great city of Detroit. Yeah, but we have a cool segment that we're going to start trying to implement a little bit more. Um, We like a nice alliterated name. So Corey's Crash Course is coming at you. Do you want to explain kind of what that's going to be, what that's going to look, what the segment is going to look like, and then you can just kind of jump into your... Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm really excited about it. But first, uh, when we started this and we talked about it, we we kind of all wanted to have our own special segments. Um, and we're going to show you that uh, when we have time uh, for everybody. So that's going to be really fun. I'm excited to uh, listen in for what uh, uh, the other, other two thirds of the CNC replay <laughs> has in store. But I got lucky and I got to go first. Uh, so Corey's Crash Course is basically just going to be me talking about um, – oddities of the game or or oddities of our favorite sports or stats that maybe people don't know what they look like, what that means for, you know, it's respective sports players and whatnot. Um, and just kind of give you the rundown and the explanation behind it all. Um, so usually it'll be about a stat, uh, but I want to talk about obviously the thing that has affected our lives for the past, uh, year and a half, which is COVID in sports. Um, and everyone's like, ugh, hear about COVID every day. I got to wear like six masks if I want to go outside. I promise you um, it's not going to be like that. Uh, It's actually pretty interesting because obviously we all know March, uh, March 17th, I think is when all sports were shut down uh, due to the COVID uh, pandemic and uh, nobody had anything to watch. We were watching Netflix shows, staying in our houses and wearing PJs, but the world desperately needed sports back and we got it back first with Major League Baseball, the most socially distanced sport on the planet, unless there's some random sport in like Romania that I don't know about, which is probably true. But tennis. of the four major, that tennis, yeah, that that yeah, I'm dumb again. Okay. That's strike three for me. Yeah. We're with you. We're tracking. Um, oh, thank you, thank you so much. Um, but we got our first taste of live sports again with baseball uh, in the end of was it the end of July or is it the end of June? I think, I think it was the end of June. And then we went to July, August, end of June. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, or maybe it was July. I don't know. I don't know. It was July. Wow. I'm so stupid. Um, but anyway, 
I digressed because there was only 60 games. So it was the end of July. Um, but so we have all these new rules, protocols, and how we're going to keep things socially distanced. You're wearing masks in the dugout and uh, you're, you know, you can't like you're seated in the dugout, you're spread apart um, in the field of play. And then once you're on the field of play, you're wearing masks or you're doing whatever. Uh, for a while, they weren't doing throw arounds after strikeouts in Major League Baseball because they weren't sure how the virus transmitted. So usually when a player strikes out, you throw the ball down to third base and they you know throw it around the horn. Uh, they did not do that because they're like, ah, COVID's scary and rightfully so. However, um, I think something we got to watch on top of our sporting events was the logistics of everything and how the virus really did affect uh, major league sports. So um, unless you lived under a rock, you saw major league baseball take the first step out and they got about two games in before they had a COVID outbreak. And the Miami Marlins had 18 members of their team test positive and half of them were sick. Half of them were not. Um, so sounds bad. What's even worse is that they played a team for two of those games. So everybody was freaking out. We got, a, we got two days of baseball and we're going to have to shut, shut down the whole season. Um, but that simply was not the case. We, again, it was outside. It was, um, you know, socially distant and whatnot, but still you're, I mean, you're going to be brushing shoulders with players in the game, whether it's, you know, at first base sliding into second or sliding into home or pitchers talking with catchers. Um, you're going to see that. And to the safety of the players and to everybody's, you know, best interests um, and hoping that the season continues on uh, the virus did not transmit, or at least it didn't test positive into the Phillies clubhouse. Um, so I'm sitting here thinking, why when we, when we see something like that, why aren't we trying to study that from a medical standpoint? Um, so you had a bunch of players test positive and you're trying to see how um, the virus transmits through other people and other players. Um, and obviously you couldn't plan ahead for the Miami to have that uh, virus outbreak, but needless to say, games were canceled and you know postponed later on in the major league season because players tested positive and they shut things down for however long. Um, so I don't know why someone didn't step forward and say, hey, we're trying to figure out more about this virus and whether it's safe or not and how exactly it transmits. Why didn't we get a medical you know, study on you know, Major League Baseball and how it transmits, what it does to the body, and uh, really see how it transmits outside and inside the locker room um, but we didn't see anything of that. And uh, I think that's I, that makes me scratch my head a little bit because now uh, it seems like in some parts of this country that the virus uh, outbreak is getting worse. Um, but yet we're still kind of going off of the same data. And I think we really dropped the ball with, you know, trying to get more data. And it could have easily been when everybody's eyes were on Major League Baseball and those sports that started up that were not in a bubble. Um, so just one thing to think about uh, as far as the logistics, because not only do you have to game plan for uh, an, an opposing team, but you also have to make sure that you're not going to catch a virus that is running through clubhouses or even in the air that we don't know of. But the cool thing and the other side of the logistics of COVID was that they had to have expanded rosters um, for these teams. So the, I think the funniest thing with the Miami Marlins was that when they finally came back to play, uh, after their week shutdown, they didn't have their regular players. They were still positive, um, and they had some 
some healthy players that they could push from their taxi squad, set aside players, but they literally had to sign bums off the street. I say bums, but I don't mean bums, but they signed uh, Pat Vendite, who is a uh, ambidextrous. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, he's an ambidextrous MLB pitcher. He throws both left-handed and right-handed and he played for three games and it was incredible because he's got a glove that's like double webbed and he can switch it from hand to hand and it, it's cool, but he he was signed because they needed a pitcher. Eddie Alvarez was a shortstop for the Marlins. He made his MLB debut at 28 years old, which is old. But Eddie Alvarez was an Olympic U.S. speed skater. He won the silver medal, and now he's playing shortstop for the Miami Marlins. And you just saw a just a bunch of this like players who are playing in Major League Baseball that should not be playing in Major League Baseball because of this COVID outbreak and logistics and whatnot and say what you want about the level of play but i think that's that's something that's kind of bittersweet um because now you are in a very distinguished club of playing in major league baseball i think out of every single player that has played major league baseball you can't fill up half of a stadium's capacity i think the number is like 18,000, only 18,000 players have played Major League Baseball through its 100-year history, or like, yeah, 150-year history. That's incredible. And this year, in a 60-game season, you saw more Major League debuts than any other year. You saw more players who, yeah, I mean, Major League debuts, that's the thing that you need, um, than any other year. We only played 60 games and it's because COVID opened the door for these players to get to chase their dream and get to play on these rosters. Um, and I think if you're going to take anything away from that, that's really touching and cool uh, to see that, you know, while the rest of the world obviously for obvious reasons was, you know, struggling with losing jobs or loved ones um, that, you know, there was some silver lining to this, that, you know, people were making dreams come true in empty baseball stadiums. They got to be a part of this, uh, this distinguished club. And uh, that's not to say that cancels out by any means. Um, however, um, it's not all, it's not always, you know, doom and gloom. And there were some good things that came out of this. Um, and again, as we learn more about this virus and it sends ripple effects, we can see these taxi squads and how this works um, with team chemistry. And I think you're seeing that a lot with the Red Wings. Um, they started up their season. Uh, they didn't have preseason, just like every other NHL team. And they had a huge roster turnover just because they were so bad um, from the year before. So they had a bunch of new players. Uh, they didn't have any preseason games to practice with those new players. Um, and they didn't play for 310 days. And then seemingly after two weeks of training camp, they had to get out on the ice and perform as a team. Um, and we saw how that went. Every team, and we saw how that went. Every team is facing these, you know, these challenges. However, when you get a team that doesn't have talent to begin with, and you get you mix that in with zero time to prepare for that season, you're going to see some growing pains. Um, and I think uh, part of the issue for the Red Wings is they were so behind the eight ball with talent, and that they had such a huge roster turnover that they're gonna be sluggish they're gonna you know have issues of playing in games with these teams that for the most part signed a guy here and there and plugged them in and that's fine however uh, a team like ottawa ottawa's really bad but they also had a huge roster turnover they are currently like one in six and they gave up like 15 goals to the vancouver canucks in three games 
just unheard of numbers. Um, but I do think COVID plays a huge part in that because they had so little time to play as a team. So when we think of COVID and, you know, its effects on athletes uh, and how they perform, let's also think of the logistical side of, of this pandemic um, that uh, planning around it isn't very easy, but also it will directly affect your performance on the field, even if you don't contract the virus and even if you don't aren't directly involved with it because it changed it literally changes everything and from the economic to the health to the logistical side of sports so think about that and when you see some random dude that is like oh who's joe smith playing third base for the detroit tigers um joe smith probably isn't any good and he probably wasn't going to play because of covid but he's playing major league baseball because he got a chance and it was the right time, the right place. And uh, COVID gave him that opportunity. So encourage you look into that. You'll find out a lot of stuff that you'll like, find out some stuff that you don't. And uh, you might be surprised to see a former U S pole vaulter playing outfield for your favorite team. That would be fun. Who knows? Yeah, that would be fun. <sighs> Love it, Corey. That was fantastic. Thank you, everybody, for turning in. Uh, make sure that you follow us on our social medias on Twitter and Instagram at the CNC Sports Podcast. Sports not Pod. Mistaken. Yep. CNC Sports Pod. Sports Pod. CNC Sports Pod. Do we're going to start doing some more interaction things. Uh, everybody, I think this week we're going to have a questionnaire. So I think the best question we'll highlight for next week's podcast. And uh, you have a question? We'll answer yeah. it. It might not be a good question. We'll if answer you have it. Whatever the best if one you is. Have segments. If you want, have topics you want us to talk about, shoot them to us. I'm pretty sure most of our listeners have our personal handles, so <laughs> it's not hard to reach us. It can, we can talk about who's cuter, uh, Anthony Mantha or Dylan Larkin, or Dylan Larkin's butt, and we'll talk about it if you want us to. <laughs> they will. <laughs> they. Uh, oh, I, I don't think they will. It's a trio topic. No topic off the table at this point. Not- but as always, thank you guys very much. Thank you for tuning in. And uh, thank you for waiting an additional week. I hope it was worth it. We'll see you guys next week. Goodbye. Adios.